for the SPN Bush Show. Here's your host, SPN Bushy. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the SPM Bushy Show. Back after a couple weeks off, and we are ready to break it down for you. It's our much-awaited NBA preview. Uh, I'm the SP. He's Bushy. Bushy, how you feeling? I'm feeling really good, man. Uh, I'm just uh, I'm ready for the craziness. You know, I mean, I, I don't know what's going to be spookier on Sunday. You know, Halloween or me going to the Broncos-Washington football team game. So, I don't know what's going to be even spookier or more torture-based, you know? Absolutely. I mean, we're definitely tortured as a fan base watching this Broncos team. It's been really rough these last four weeks. And, I mean, it's just so obvious that the coaching is just abysmal at this point. It is abysmal. And, you know, really the only people that really don't care are the higher-ups. So, (laughs) Exactly. And I mean, it's just, I mean, I was talking with a coworker about it today and it's just, it's starting to feel like this franchise that hasn't done it in our lifetime is starting to accept mediocrity as being okay. And that's not the Broncos that we're used to. No, it's not. And uh, I was talking this with a bunch, with a couple of my buddies too, during the Raiders game, you know, and they were inducting like Mike Shanahan and stuff. And like, even during like Shanahan's kind of, kind of sort of down years. I mean, they still were going eight and eight, nine, seven, ten, six. I mean, it wasn't like, you know, they they were going he was going like five and twelve or something like that. Or four and thirteen. <laughs> yeah. I was hoping that like during that game Shanahan would run down the stairs and punch out Fangio and coach the rest of the game. There was a slight hope for me that that, that would happen, but obviously that's not happening right now. Or, <laughs> or that when they inducted him they were secretly talking about bringing him back because I mean He's a guy, or like he's a guy who could fix this offense that is just so basic right now. It is. It is just very basic right now, and just really, just. I mean, it's just, it's just fascinating because you know you expect this, you know you expect, and it's too on the defensive level too. Like you expect this defense to maybe get a stop once in a while, but yeah, they. I mean, they 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 couldn't do anything. Against the third string running back, a back uh, Case Keenum, and two backup tackles. Yeah, yeah, just couldn't get it done. Couldn't get a pass rush. You know, I mean, it, it's just fascinating to to see that. It's just like, oh, you know, all the decks aside, and he somehow still come away not very good. They are bad. They're very bad. They are. <laughs> but and they're very poorly that. coached. Uh, we uh, after the Broncos Browns game, uh, Steve Smith had another great rant on the uh, NFL Network post game show. I posted that to our Twitter account, so if you missed it, go back and check that out at SP Bushy. Great rant by Steve Smith. Uh, he always seems to have them after these Thursday night games, and it's it's great to see. It is always great to see, yeah. And he just always seems to have uh, just like truth bombs, you know, just dropping truth bombs what left and right. He is, and he sure wasn't that He doesn't hold back at all. No, he doesn't hold back at all, and it's good to hear. I mean, obviously, we have a perspective being fans, but it's also good to hear that same perspective being echoed by a future Hall of Famer. Yes, that, that's always good news to, to figure out with that. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Broncos, obviously disappointing. Um, Braves, though, up one nothing in the World Series. That's good news. 
Yeah, that is good news. I mean, it's just it, – it really was kind of a sort of boringish game yesterday. I mean, yeah, I mean, I was watching most of the game, and it just – it really did feel pretty boring, you know, as, as much as, you know, I want to I want to praise him for, you know, having, like, the World Series. It just felt like a really boring game. Like, I just really wasn't interested in it. Well, I mean, you know, it wasn't – and it, it wasn't, you know, the movie that we're going to discuss later on. But, you know, we'll talk about that. <laughs> No, 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 exactly. Yeah, but it's just, I mean, it's just great news, you know, that the fact that the Dodgers didn't make it. So that's a, so that's a good news, you know, so we can, so, you know, every, every other fan base can really trash on the Chargers or trash on the Dodgers, you know, be like, oh yeah, you, yeah, yeah, you guys won a World Series, but it was really a COVID year, you know, a 60 gamer one rather than, you know, 162 gamer. Yeah, I mean, I think had it been 162 games, they'd have had a good chance anyway. But be that as it may, it's very good to have that little asterisk next to their win and to see them out this year. Yeah, it is. It, it is. Um, it is very good, and it's just it, it's a very interesting World Series. I mean, we have to you know kind of wait and see. You know, I mean, can can Atlanta really kind of keep this thing going? You know, I, I feel like a lot of their fan base too is expecting for the shoe to drop. I'm like, okay, when's it going to drop? Where they have like this amazing lead or something like that and then uh really when when is the shoe gonna shop i mean really this has been a really tortured fan base that they're really expecting for the worst it's true i mean obviously you look at the braves dynasty and we still haven't done our tortured fan bases and i think we're gonna have to make that list uh, and do that maybe next week but um obviously we'll we'll wait wait and see maybe maybe we'll do it after the world series yeah maybe we'll we'll wait and do that but in any event I mean, obviously, they had this great Braves run in the 90s. They only got one World Series championship out of it. Uh, Obviously, what happened in the Super Bowl a few years ago was still also fresh on their minds, too. So I don't think as a fan of Atlanta sports, until you see Freddie Freeman lifting that trophy, that you're going to be too too uh excited yeah i tell you until you see freddie freeman literally lifting his arms up man, with, the, with the third out of you know whatever game it is of, of their fourth win of the series and that's when they're gonna be like oh we're actually won what <laughs> what did you think of former rookie uh rocky tyler matzik coming through <laughs> i mean i i've always equivalented Pit, uh, bullpen pitchers to NFL kickers, really. I mean, it's just there's a lot. There's few that you can rely on. There's like a Justin Tucker or a Brandon McManus, but you know, every once in a while, you know, you have somebody like a Youngway Koo, you know, who doesn't who doesn't really perform with one team. He goes to another team, and suddenly he's he's a star. He can't miss or something like that. I mean, it's just really that. That's what I feel like with like bullpen pitchers, you know, or uh, really. I mean, it's just they're they're so few and far between good you know that it's just once in a while you just one of these bullpen pitchers just has a great year and then you know sometimes it'll probably tail off the next year that's always the that's always the case exactly I mean it is I mean it's good to see though former first round picks I'm not turning it around after like four years in independent ball yeah, it, it is It is great news just watching him play, and I'm sort of rooting for him, yeah, because he was a former Rocky, and yeah, and it's just, it, it, yeah, he's just playing really good right now, and he's being nails right now. I mean, he's coming in in really tough situations right now and just being nails, you know, especially during the NLCS. I mean, he came in first and second, no, really nobody out. He came and he mowed down three people for the – it really kept the Dodgers scoreless after he that did. run, you know. So, I mean, it's just – 
he really has just been nails for that bullpen, which has been shaky uh, really uh, throughout this season. It's weird because what he did in that game endeared him more to Rockies fans than anything he could have ever done in a Colorado uniform. Short of like true. a big World Series win. Yeah, it would it would have been eliminating nice, uh, the Dodgers like elevates him to like yeah a level of like <laughs> yeah just being like nails and just like you know especially with with their top lineups of like Betts Turner you know Betts Turner uh, Pollock or you know <laughs> right Trey Turner and Justin Turner you know kind of going in I mean like I said that is more that is more endearing him more to Rockies fans than anything he could have done as a Rocky. Yeah, it was. Yeah, he, he, he left a lasting legacy with that. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, that was awesome. Um, let's see. Oh, I want to talk about something that's upsetting me since this is a sports podcast. All right. I want to talk about something that's upsetting me, and that was watching college football final on Saturday night, and the pundits were doing like a power rankings, and they somehow both had Ohio State in the top five. I'm sorry, that is garbage to me. Garbage. When you have a bunch of undefeated teams, two of them in the same conference as Ohio State, and a team with the same record as Ohio State that beat Ohio State in Columbus. How is Ohio State the second best team in the country? I mean, Georgia's ahead of them, obviously. Cincinnati's ahead of them, obviously. One bad week against Navy, who runs such an unconventional offense and slows the game down so badly. Like... One bad week doesn't suddenly make Ohio State worse or better than Cincinnati. I'm sorry. Well, How was is Oklahoma, Ohio State a top five team? Was Oklahoma on that top four? Yeah, Oklahoma was on that top four. Really? I mean, because I, I mean that that's shocking to me. Yeah, because really right. Oklahoma should probably be uh, at least a li- little bit worse as far as with. Well, they should think, be below know? Michigan and Michigan State, right? Oh yeah, I, I feel like that too, especially with like Oklahoma. You know, because Oklahoma's really had some like really just really kind of these squeaker wins and then obviously they really I mean if, if it wasn't for a miraculous play by their by their freshman quarterback they probably would have lost to Kansas and probably would have they probably would have lost the SEC deal after that you know losing to Kansas like that so I mean it's just <laughs> I mean, it, it, the SEC's like, like nah you just lost to Kansas we don't want you to just lose. lost to Kansas you're done you know at least, at least Texas will lose the SEC teams that we like you know or something like that you don't need you coming over here and losing to Vanderbilt <laughs> I mean that, that's what like the equivalent is and, and it's just like oh my god and you just expect uh, I mean it's just you expected this team to like really be good and it's just like they're really, having to pull out these it, weaker it, wins every week and it's know, like they it, almost took the horseshoe off of the mascot and shoved it where the sun doesn't shine because they somehow have this horseshoe up their butt that's keeping them lucky every week because they should have lost two weeks ago to Texas they should have lost to Kansas like yeah. this team is not that impressive. I'm sorry. It's it, it's destined for them to really be the four seed again. You know, like they've had been the you know the past few years. I know last year was an exception, but the but like the previous three, you know, two three years where it's just like you know they they are going undefeated and you know they 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 look good, but then lose really be the fourth seed and then lose to you know either Georgia or Alabama and get crushed too and they lose by 40 points like this is this just feels like it's destiny again for Oklahoma you know kind of the same story going through uh, as far as with that yeah absolutely I like I said I'm baffled 
about that, and I'm baffled that Ohio State is still ranked so high. I mean, obviously, you saw them in person, but the teams that they've been beating up on in recent weeks are a pretty bad Indiana team this year. I mean, yeah, it's a pretty bad Indiana Maryland. team. Maryland is Maryland. I mean, they've been crushing teams, you know, to try to try to look good, you know, as far as with this. But we'll see in a couple of weeks, you know. I right. mean, when they when they do play Michigan, Michigan State uh, as well. I mean, I I don't think Penn State is as formidable as an opponent like we saw maybe three or four weeks ago. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll have to wait and see for them as well. So, I mean, it's just. That really, I mean, we'll have to see now because really they can't afford to lose another game. If they lose another game, they're kind of the same boat as Alabama. If they lose another game, they're down for the playoffs right now. Right, absolutely. And I mean, I don't, I don't know how they're considered such a highly ranked team or how they're ranked ahead of an Oregon team that beat them on their home turf. How are you, how are, like, at the end of the day, head-to-head is the only true measure of what, the only accurate measure of what we have between all these teams. So how is Ohio State ahead of Oregon when Oregon beat them head-to-head? Well, they bet they better in hope Columbus. for – I know, in Columbus too. I mean, they better hope for – really. well, I think it's too because of like the, the Oregon thing too. It's kind of like what Oklahoma is. They've been kind of squeaking out some wins here or there as far as with Oregon as well. I mean, right, but, but yeah, I, but I, I agree with you with the head-to-head matchup. I don't care, like, if you squeak out a bunch of wins – over these bad teams, you still went to Columbus and you still won. That's all you needed to do. Like, I'm, I mean, and once again, like, okay, Ohio State beat Minnesota, Rutgers, Maryland, Indiana. Where's the impressive win? Who did they beat that's impressive? Nobody. Yeah, nobody as far as with them right now. I mean, it's just the, really the, the, the schedule makers have been really – fortunate for them um and yeah i mean yeah they, they yeah i mean it, it just really just hasn't been like a strong schedule right now and they better pray to hope they're not that they, they you know fight for that fourth seed with them in oregon because i feel like the the i feel like the people are just gonna just hammer it you know it's just they lost you know ohio state lost to oregon that's why we got to put oregon number fourth or something like that if they if, if that happens if it's like Oregon, Ohio State fight for that four spot and they somehow choose Ohio State over Oregon, we might as well just get rid of the playoff again. Just bring back the BCS system. Yeah, absolutely. And if you honestly, I mean, if you look outside of this win against Minnesota in week one, which was only by two touchdowns, by the way, so it wasn't like it was that impressive. Uh, it wasn't like a big beating. But once again, Rutgers and Indiana have a combined zero wins in the uh, Big Ten, combined 0-8. And if you combine Maryland, Rutgers, and Indiana, that is a combined 1-11 record in Big Ten play. 1-11. I, oh, I who was impressed by this Ohio State team? How oh, obviously the, obviously, the, obviously the pundits for obviously ESPN, they obviously love Ohio, oh, yeah. obviously love Ohio State, you know? I mean, but they love it. You got to look at the media bias. Herb Street, Ohio State guy. Joey Galloway, Ohio State guy. How are these guys that are Ohio State guys just getting to elevate Ohio State every week? Uh, they're beating up on these crap teams. Whoop-dee-doo, you beat Akron 59-7. to Good job, buddy. I mean, I guess we couldn't talk well, – I guess we can't talk crap because really, I mean, it's just the team that we like in Colorado can't really move the ball, you know, and – 
and they're basically 1800s offense. So I guess we can't really talk, you know, but I yeah, but talk because I can, I can talk because that's why we created this podcast. So yeah, this is why we, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're bringing, yeah, we're bringing this. It's just like, yeah, there's no medium bias with us. I mean, it's just, you know, I mean, it's just, <laughs> I mean, it's just, and, it, and the funny thing is too, is like I graduated from a college that didn't have a football team. So it's just like, I can't, you know, I can hate all I want, you know, on these teams. But I do agree with you. Yeah, Oregon should always be ahead of Ohio State unless Oregon loses, really. Absolutely. That should always be the case. Absolutely. Same record, head-to-head's a tiebreaker. Every other sport it is. If the NFL, same record, the team that won the head-to-head gets the tiebreaker. Yeah, that, that, that should be the case for the tiebreaker. Yeah, you know, I mean, yeah. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see if it really is it. We'll, we'll have to see if it really does make a difference. I mean, it's just really, I mean, I just feel like it's a lot of parody this year. I mean, yeah, I know we have like Georgia and all that, but I mean, Cincinnati's probably going to take that unless really they really falter a little bit. I mean, Cincinnati's probably going to take one of those three seats. So then you're going to have, you know, maybe like Oklahoma and then like Ohio State, Oregon, you know, Alabama really fighting for those. Absolutely, but let's not rule out Michigan and Michigan State. Whichever team wins this week could have a great shot at that spot, too. Yeah, I mean, if one, yeah, if one of those teams kind of wins out and kind of beats Ohio State there and kind of wins out and gets to the Big Ten, yeah, that, I mean, that could shove Alabama out of the way, too. I mean, I mean, it, it's very interesting because, really, I mean, you have six or seven, eight teams really kind of making a case now that you could, you could tell the, these, hey, this is the fourth team. Which is why it or should these, be eight teams anyway. Yeah, it should be eight teams, yeah. It should be, yeah. But really, I mean, if Cincinnati wins out, wins every game, yes, put them in, please. Put them in. They beat Notre Dame. Do not Dame. screw them out. They beat Notre Dame. That's still more impressive than any Ohio State victory. Yeah, that has been. Yeah, that, that they've been impressive. And they went to Navy, too, which is really an unconventional offense. And really, I mean, that was really their kitchen sink game. I was watching most of that game. I was on Saturday, that was the Navy kitchen sink game. Like, they were doing a lot of stuff to really stay into that game. And Cincinnati still kind of pulled away at the end, too. Like, that's how right. talented they are. All right. They survived not playing their best game. And they yeah. also beat Indiana if we're looking at records against similar opponents. Yeah, they beat Indiana, Indiana, too. So, Ohio State, you can't say that, you know? Right. <laughs> So yeah, oh, you can't was, you can't say oh we did this, but without saying oh yeah, but but we did this too. That was my rant for the week. <laughs> did you have something you wanted? <laughs> At to least it's more sports related rather than me with Taco Bell a couple of weeks ago. So oh no, that was delightful too. I enjoyed that. <laughs> oh yeah, it was the it was a delightful. Yeah, there's, thankfully there's no really there's not really any commercials for um for uh, you know any commercials that really sparked my interest like that uh, this week. I'm getting really tired of the Craig Robinson Pizza Hut commercials. I feel like the one of him saying he's a pineapple person now is on like 80 times a day. Yeah, it has, it has gotten stale. Also, Detroit-style pizza is a very overrated pizza. There you go. I'm just going to say, yeah, I just, feel that, I just feel that way. You know, I have been to Detroit. Then they told me, oh, you got to try this pizza. You got to try this pizza. I tried it. Meh. It's just a meh for me. Just, No. I'd rather go Chicago than Detroit. Sorry. Hmm. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, just, just that's just my opinion. I'll take Detroit style pizza over St. Louis style pizza, though. Okay, there you go. 
even though I haven't had any. So I'll, I'll take your word for it. St. Louis style pizza is basically just pizza on a cracker. <laughs> so it's a very, very thin crust. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. It was like the pizzas that we made, I think, in like fifth grade. Remember, like the frozen pizzas, you know, which is better, that or a frozen pizza? I like the frozen pizza, honestly, if I'm being honest. <laughs> Just get a DiGiorno instead of a St. Louis style pizza. I got a Totino's over the St. Louis style pizza. <laughs> I'm, I'm, if I want a St. Louis style pizza, I'm just going to take a Ritz cracker, put some marinara sauce on it, put some mozzarella on it, some grated mozzarella, and boom, you got a St. Louis style pizza, baby. Or so basically, the equivalent is so basically the equivalent is eating a lunchable, you know, the lunchable pizzas. If you heat it up, yes. <laughs> if you heat it up, yeah. a lunchable pizza. If you heat it up, it, boom, you get sick. So yeah, we actually have eaten cold St. Louis style pizza for years. Pretty much, yes. That's what I'm yes. saying. Yeah, but at least we get a crunch bar, or a Reese's bar, you know, at the at the end as well. You know, all you get is just shame and just oh. It just sounds like you get like shame and miserable, you know, for St. Louis style pizza. Hey, at least they have some good ice cream afterwards. <laughs> okay. But it doesn't come with it. You know, you got to order it before. It. Yeah, it doesn't come with it. Right, you got it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move it on. Uh, it was our NBA preview. Who do you have winning the NBA championship? Um, you know, I got, I got Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman teaming up and have an amazing movie. That's what it is. You know, I, I really, we don't care. We don't care who wins, you know. We don't all, care. All know is the, yeah, all I know is we just hope to God the Nuggets do, you know. If the Nuggets do it, God bless it. God bless them. If not, you know what? Screw it. Let's talk about that. Let's talk about double team. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. We're going to talk about double team. We obviously, you know, we watch our Jean-Claude Van Damme movies on here, in case you haven't noticed. And we found that Double Team uh, is on Netflix. It's this team-up movie with Jean-Claude Van Damme and Dennis Rodman from sometime in the 90s. And um, basically, neither of us had seen it, so we each decided to watch it, and now we're going to break it down for you right now. Yes, yeah, this is, this is our NBA preview. Yes, this is how much we do dislike the NBA that we are willing to watch. A really mediocre Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. Well, this is how much we like the NBA, that we would rather watch former 90s NBA star Dennis Rodman team up with Jean-Claude Van Damme. For, let's just be honest, it's a very mediocre to low-mediocre action movie. Yeah, yeah, it really is. It's a mediocre action movie. I watched, I, I watched it again over the weekend, and it's just... My, it, it, yeah, it was my first time watching it, and it was just like, my God, like this is this is bad as far as with JCB standards, you know. Usually, there's you know, there, oh, yeah. usually you kind of grade on a curve with JCBD action movies, you know, or something like that. But it's just like, even as far as that standard, it was mediocre at best. Oh, absolutely, it is. It is very. It is not a good movie. <laughs> we'll just put it that way. But you know what? It is just something that it. Once again, we've all seen our share of bad movies. I'm sure that anyone who watches horror movies this week, myself included, I'm a big horror movie guy. I'm going to watch a bunch of horror movies this week, and I'm sure that some of them are going to be just as much of a hate watch as, I, as this one was. Oh, yeah. It, it, I mean, it wasn't so much as like a hate watch. It wasn't watch. a hate watch, yeah. It was just yeah, it wasn't so much as like a hate watch, but it was just like... 
It's I bad. should be watching something. I should be watching a different Jean-Claude Van Damme movie. I should be watching right. Time Cop. I should be watching Sudden Death. I should be watching Bloodsport. I should be watching Hard Target. Right. Or, you know, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's just, there just other, and there's other better movies on Netflix, too. But there is just enough in this movie that it's like, okay, I, I watched it. I had my laughs. I had my... I'm, I saw it. I'm glad I saw that. And it's just ridiculousness. But I like, know, yes. It's, it's, it's one of these, I'm glad I saw it. Probably will never see it again. Um, no. Maybe maybe two to three years from now. And it's just, you know what? I want to watch it again. Why Why not? You know, I'll just put it on. I might I might just rewatch our, this review of it. So that way I'm, I save myself some time. <laughs> just say to our future selves now, you know, don't watch this movie again. But let's let's. I mean, obviously, we want to go in depth with this thing. I mean, we we watched it. We each have our takes. We're each sharing it with each other for the first time because we watched it separately. Uh, I know you wrote down some notes, and then I mean, I'll piggyback with some of my thoughts if they don't come up in the notes. Yeah. What do you got? Um, I, uh, did you did you enjoy the title cards? Like the title cards were kind of weird as far as with that. It sounded. It was like that. I don't, I don't know how to like describe it. You know, those title cards were like a little bit weird as far as with that, you know, they were. Yeah. Like, it, 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 I, I, yeah, it was like that. It was like that. I, I can't remember what the machine was, but it's just like, if you saw the title cards, you'd be like, Oh yeah, I know exactly what kind of font it was, you know? Yeah. Absolutely. It feels like I something know. you get from like that really crappy locker. You put it on, you know, or like some rich kid had it and put it on his like binder and be like, this is Ted's or something like that. Yeah, it was it was a weird font choice. Like, I mean, the whole, like, I guess I was expecting like, I don't know. Like, I was expecting more of like action movie title fonts and it wasn't that. No, it was not. Yeah, and it, it sounded like it was like a dirty, gritty in, indie movie with like computer hackers or something like that. Like, right, that's exactly, what it felt like. Yeah, <laughs> yeah guess, and it's just, yeah. Also, what's, what's weird is just, like, did he get the plutonium? Like, I mean, there, there's a bunch of plutonium, and he's just ramming a truck, you know, like it was a yeah. demolition derby or something like that. How does it not blow up or something like that? I mean, he's dealing with, like, really high-class plutonium, you know, that he's stealing from Iran. And I didn't know Iran had, like, this amazing, you know, this amazing four-wheeler that's just indestructible for everything. Right, and I mean what he what he's referring to a few, as the beginning of this movie. Uh, basically, Jean Claude Van Damme is tasked, and I mean this is like the quickest graze over of any sort of story point possible. Like they just have one guy really quickly say, "Oh, if uh, Jack Quinn completes this mission, he gets to retire from an office somewhere." That's literally the opening of the movie. This one guy just says that line. And then it cuts to him in Croatia stealing this truck from that was stolen from the Iranians and hidden in Croatia. He steals this truck. And then, like, he just, like, like Bushy said, just drives on this indestructible rampage through stuff with this huge amount of plutonium on the back of this truck, allegedly. Right, yeah, and he's just he's ramming through cop cars, the cop cars are shooting at him. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like the glass is bulletproof because he's ducking. <laughs> as far as as far as with that, I mean, it's just it's a very very odd vehicle. Let's put it that way. It's just like what what happened to the plutonium too? Like it just seems like you know he kind of breaks it off and it goes off to like another thing. Does it? 
And then someone right. touch it, like, you know? I mean, really, I mean, it's really like an unexplained action scene, really. I mean, no. it's just, just to show you that we had action, you know? We had no, an action so movie. Here's action. This feels he like- did that one job. This honestly feels like it was added in in the last minute of the movie. Like, this feels like it was shot after the rest of the movie. And it was like, okay, well, we didn't put a car chase in this movie. So we're going to put a car chase in at the beginning and just try to make it make sense. So, because literally what happens, it's not even like, the beginning isn't even like a typical Jean-Claude Van Damme be beginning. Like, I mean, I think he maybe like knocks out one guard at this. Like, I mean, it's like the least guarded plutonium ever. Like, he gets in the truck very easily, too. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's, it's, it's a mixture of, like, really high-grade plutonium. I mean, we're talking, like, weapons of mass destruction plutonium, and it's just, like, yeah, it's guarded by this one guy. You know? Yeah. I'm surprised he didn't say, oh, man, just two more weeks until, I, um, until I'm retired. Yeah. <laughs> it's like the Austin Powers joke. It's, like, one inept guard to guard this whole, like, truck full of plutonium. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's, I mean, it was just terrible. Like, yeah. I mean, it's just, and yeah. It's like, and then, like you said, like, there's, like, half of this truck that breaks off from, like, the main part that John claude Van Damme's driving. Yeah. And is that where the plutonium was? Is it in the cab with him? Like, then what was the point of the rest of that truck? And it's never referenced again. It just shows it breaking off and then doing nothing after that. It doesn't yeah, even just, blow up. He just rides off into the sunset. Like, it's just like, oh, yeah, I'm just going to ride off into the sunset and hang out in the mountains of, you know. I'm going to hate out in the French Alps, basically. Right. <laughs> but then he also, like, jumps this truck into, like, a train car. Oh, that yeah. That's <laughs> but, like, he just destroys all the lumber on this train car, and then it's just suddenly fine. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, it's a really – it's a really, I, I agree with you. I think this was kind of, you know, kind of shoehorned in. I, I agree, yeah, because they were like, yeah, we – because there really isn't a car chase scene whatsoever right. again so like i said this beginning is ridiculous I mean, he had I to do know. that one job so he could retire yeah and it's i mean it's not like taken or john wick where like he's like like you could have just assumed that he was like or even commando where like okay he just shows that like he's retired now you could have just done any of those three movies, like just how like okay, he's just a normal guy living his life, and then just had the had the guy come and try to recruit him back. Like you didn't. You're right. Yeah, that he, that he needed that one job. You know. Oh, he's back. You know, Stavros is back. We need to kill Stavros him. Stavros is back. Yeah. Stavros. <laughs> Which once again, that's a whole thing. So yeah. So then after after this beginning, like he's like. Making out with his pregnant wife in his pool. And then, like, the guy just comes in and interrupts him. And apparently, like, he's, like, this huge secret agent type guy with no protection or security on his house. Because, like, the secret agent guy or, like, the CIA guy who's trying to recruit him back just literally walks in the house. Yeah, he's got this nice house. little... I, I do. I did enjoy the house, though. Like that's that's, that's right. definitely like a nice house. Like I'm like, man, if I ever go to like the French Alps or something like that, that's just something I want to go to, or you know, oh, yeah. like, great wherever, wherever that is. I mean, it was just like it looked like a nice house. I was like, man, right. I would love to stay there for like a few days. Absolutely, I would definitely retire there if they didn't blow it up. <laughs> I know. Yeah, and it comes. Yeah, they. Yeah, we. Yeah, it comes back and they blow it up. You know. 
<laughs> uh, as far as with that. But yeah, I mean, it's just, I agree with you. Yeah, it's just like, yeah, he retires, but, you know, they find, you know, they find him. I mean, could Stav, I mean, Stavros, I feel like could have found him like very easily. Right. Because obviously they found him in the house, you know, because right. his wife. I mean, <laughs> right. Like uh, Stavros apparently knew where the house was the whole time because he's, his men are waiting there later on in the movie. I know, yeah, and it's just, it, it really is just like a crazy scene, I mean, it's just like, yeah, you gotta get him back for just one more thing, and it's just, and he really, it, and the funny part is, too, he doesn't even, like, talk to the wife about it, like, the wife is really just, like, a secondary character, it's oh. just like, yeah, forget, forget no you, you know, you're just here for plot, for plot convenience. Yeah. That's all the wife is there for. <laughs> well, she's just there, like, for motivation, just for him to, like, She's just there for motivation for the rest of the movie. Exactly. Yeah, she's just she is. She's just there for for to help the plot move along. <laughs> you know, it's right. like oh, she's a break. Yeah, never doesn't have one talk with the you know with like oh no, Stavros is back. I need to destroy him. Right. And like the guy's like, well, you can't retire until Stavros does. And he guess like he's like, okay, I guess so. <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> yeah, he's not dead yet. Okay, 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 going forward a little bit with the, obviously with like the Dennis Rodman Club, you know, I mean, I kind of thought about this. So in case if people don't know, um, I'm, I'm actually one of the groomsmen for Sean's wedding. Uh, do I got to do I got to plan out exotic scuba divers now for, for your bachelor party? You know, like they had in the club. I was kind of thought about that. I'm like, oh. Do I have to do this now? Like, and I mean, honestly, this is like the club that Dennis Rodman's running when he goes to meet Dennis Rodman. And how he meets Dennis Rodman is that he's like, he's going to Belgium to get Stavros. And so Dennis Rodman just has all these weapons in this club. But he also has like the weirdest version of like S&M stuff going on. Like there's a bound guy in like a scuba suit below the water that's just like flailing about. And I mean, once again, like they don't just have this guy on the screen for three seconds. Like, Jean-Claude Van Damme is, like, staring at this guy in the scuba suit for at least a solid 30 seconds. Yeah, and he's looking at yeah, it like, oh, what gift. in the it's world is this? It's not a small portion of the movie. It's not a gif. It is a full-blown, like, it'd probably be, like, a two-part TikTok if you try to make a TikTok out of it. It's just Jean-Claude Van Damme staring at this flailing underwater scuba man in this weirdo S&M club. And, I mean... Honestly, I don't know how the city of Antwerp agreed to let this movie be filmed there. Because after seeing that weirdo club that they got going on, like that is, I don't want to go there. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Let's find, let's find the, yeah, let's find the guy. You know, I mean, it's just like we see it from like you know, Ace Ventura. You know, with the you know the guy having the you know kind of the you know kind of the hacker thing inside like this death metal club. Like it just, let's right, put the exactly. weirdest let's put the weirdest like gun shop black market stuff. You know. You know, in this weird club or something like that. And like, also oh. those tattoos, because Dennis Rodman's mid-tattoo when they go get him. <laughs> That's right, yeah. <laughs> He's doing mid-tattoo, and it's just, oh, man. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just, like, insane as well. And it's just, I don't know. It's, like, it's funny. Like, you know, I thought Rodman was okay, you know? I mean, given, given the part, you know, I thought he was okay. Like, I, I was expecting, like, a really bad, you know, kind of thing. But I thought he was okay. He wasn't a good actor. Like, he definitely wasn't Michael Jordan in Space Jam. But he wasn't horrible. Like, I mean, it's like, okay. Like, but, like, it's just, okay, Dennis Rodman managing a weirdo sex club in Belgium. 
I'm like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It was like an illegal arms spot. But then, like, okay, so him and Jean Claude Van Damme gets all these weapons from him. Well, that. Then, like, later on in the movie, like, they end up teaming up. There's no real reason for him to team up with Jean Claude Van Damme. Like, he gave. I know. Something yeah, it's it's very weird. He doesn't even really get paid, I don't think, at the end of this. Like, yeah, he doesn't get paid at all. And then, yeah, and like he like, never, oh, like, man, they're going to come after like, me for this. He's a guy that you met once. Like, Dennis Rodman in this movie is, like, the nicest guy ever. Because, like, he really only has met Jean-Claude Van Damme one time before this. It's not like he's, like, best friends with the guy. Like, he met him one but, time. Met him one like time, you know. But yeah. He doesn't have any real issues with Stavros that have been discussed. Like, he's just all of a sudden, it's like, you know what, I will help you. <laughs> and then he's just like, <laughs> just as yeah, a, I'll help you fight the rest of the movie for no real reason. Your son. <laughs> What's that? I'll help you find your pregnant wife. Yes, totally, yes. Like yes, he has the friends like, with three CIA bank account numbers. And none of them work. Like, none of them work, too, yeah. This guy, he tells them, too, he's like, oh, yeah, they're just fronts. Yeah, they don't work. Why did Dennis Roberts just walk in and be like, all right, so yeah. like, I don't want to deal with this anymore. But then, if, like, as soon as Dennis Rodman sees, like, this, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme's wife's ultrasound and sees that Jean-Claude Van Damme has a baby on the way, like, now all of a sudden Rodman's just, like, on board and, like, is just, like, this charitable saint who gives, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme all this time. Yeah, yeah, and then somehow they became buddy buds, you know, they have their, you know, they have the, you know, like a knuckle handshake or something yeah, like that. Like, uh, like, which we should probably just start doing that, you know, like the, the yeah, knuckle yeah, this, this, you know. I don't know. <laughs> I think we, I think we should, yeah, that should be our calling cards. Right. Like what, but like, there's really no incentive for Dennis Rodman to really keep helping him throughout the movie. Like maybe the CIA bank accounts is how he originally got him to do it, but it's like, yeah, when he he told him he told him no. I mean, and they told him like no, and then there's still like 20, 25 minutes left in the film too. I mean, it's not like he told him like during like the last you know the last action scene. We're like, oh, sorry, they were friends. Like, no, he tells him like he tells you know, him the, plenty of time. Yeah, tells him plenty of times. Like, I'm like, why are you helping this guy? This is oh, weird. Like, you just met him once, and you have nothing against Starbros too. Probably Starbros. You probably probably Starbros supplies you with a ton of money too. He's probably a better. He's probably a better buyer Lions, than yeah. Jean-Claude Van Damme. Yeah. <laughs> Did you enjoy the uh, basketball puns too, you know? you know, That was one of offense. my favorite parts of the film is like the Dennis Rodman, oh, I only play defense, I don't play offense. So basically, like, he only waits for someone to attack him. He doesn't play offense, which is yeah. kind of true of Dennis Rodman's NBA career. He's not known for an offensive superstar, which I think yeah. was funny. The offense gets the glory, but defense wins the game. Like it just, <laughs> oh no, he is, he is sort of off. You know, come on, he does care about the offense a little bit. You know, because he throws yeah. the guy through, uh, through the bus, through a bus window or something like that. You know, he's like, oh, that should have been a five pointer. I'm like, oh my god, like that, that would actually they should have changed it. I'm like, man, that was man, that felt like Duncan on Pippen or something like that, or Duncan on Jordan or something like that. <laughs> Like they, yeah, they should have stuck something in. Like, oh man, that was man, that's better than dunking on Ewing or something like that for <laughs> Robinson. Like, had him just take a shot at someone, that would have been funny. Yeah, 
It was, yeah, I mean, it was, it's just it was crazy. Still a solid one-liner, I guess. Yeah, but but it's just funny too. I mean, it's just I agree with you. Like it's just like and he's helping him out too. Like he's in a he's in a suit too. Like it's just yeah. Dennis Rodman. I, he's been in a wedding dress. He looks he looks in SMN outfits. I find the weirdest fashion design for him actually was him wearing the suit. Like it's just yeah. wearing the top hat, and the suit. Like it's just it was like the weirdest. That for me, it was just weird for me to see Dennis Rodman in that. Well, like the pace of the movie too, it's almost questionable. Because, like, every scene, Dennis Rodman has a new color of hair. Like, what, oh, yeah. like when during the movie, I mean, <laughs> once again, between the first time he meets Jean-Claude Van Damme and then, like, the second time he sees him, it's unclear how much time has passed. It could be anywhere from, like, three months. We don't know how much time passes. Yeah, probably two to three months. Together. So, like, we don't know. So, but, like, the next few parts of that movie seem to take place on consecutive days so when is he having time to go and get different hair color every day yeah it's like oh i, get, I need the pink you know <laughs> i need the green today i'm feeling green I need today. the green today yeah no you know what you know you know who you know who changed his hair no it's the cyber monks okay it's the cyber monks you know that he's that he's friends with you know the cyber monks you know they, they're they're hacking devices and hairstylists that's what they are <laughs> Right, and the Cybermunks just, like, pop up out of nowhere in this movie, too. And, like, they're somehow related to the colony that he was on earlier in the movie. So right. we're going to backtrack here. So Jean-Claude Van Damme goes to Dennis Rodman, gets the weapons from Dennis Rodman, tries to kill Stavros, instead ends up killing Stavros's wife and kid at an amusement park. <laughs> so, yeah, let's go to a more public... Is there more of a public setting than that? Yeah, let's Why can't they be somewhere in private? Tons know? of women and children. Also, he meets his kid in an amusement park during the rain. Like, not a lot of people, unless you're planning this vacation a long time in advance, still go to the amusement park when it's raining. Exactly, yeah. And it's, not like, and it's not like a Disneyland or something like that. No, this is like a, this is like a carnival you see on the on the on like on like the parking lot, right. like an abandoned parking lot. Like that's maybe what it is. Elitches. Like yeah, maybe no, elitches, elitches. Yeah, no, no, it's like a lakeside. That's what it is. Right, like a lakeside. In any event, so he, like he, like like if that was the case, you'd be like, you know what? We'll just wait until it's sunny. We'll go the next day. <laughs> and you're not gonna go meet your kid at like the most at this place. And it's at night too. It's not it's like it's during the day or something like this. Like this is like a, at least probably we assume probably the summertime or something like that. I assume. So we're talking like seven, eight o'clock at night. Like it's like. So he kills Stavros's wife and child in this movie. And he had and he had a chance to kill Stavros too. Like and doesn't Stavros. do it. And then so Stavros gets away. Jean Claude Van Damme chases him, and it's like. He ends up, the two of them end up fighting each other in a maternity war. That was good. That, that was probably one of the better scenes of the movie was the hospital scene. I thought it was ridiculous. Like, they're just, like, chucking babies at each other. <laughs> they're chucking babies. Like using, like, a also, baby carriage to try and push Jean-Claude Van Damme up against the wall and keep him from, like, attacking him. Yeah, and he, th and he, throws, the yeah, and he throws the baby in with the grenade and all that. I mean, it's just... <laughs> I mean, it's, just, I mean, also, it's crazy, like, too. And it's just a thematical war. What happens to the rest of those babies? I, I don't know. Lord knows, because really, I mean, it's an abandoned maternity ward, even though there's babies. I mean, it's just, 
Well, yeah, but like the rest of this hospital seems almost abandoned, except for this maternity ward. And what is with these, like, what? there's like one guard and no nurses, and they just have like this brawl and this completely like, I've never seen a completely dark hospital, but somehow they're having like this brawl in this completely dark hospital. Yeah, it, it, yeah. Which was better guarded? You know, the Irani uh, truck with the plutonium for this hospital. I don't know what it was. Well, worse. I'm I'm gonna go with the hospital because you could maybe get away with like one inept guard at a hospital, but like the Iranian like plutonium, <laughs> you would think, okay, I gotta get more people on that than yeah, maybe get you know maybe get five or six people around or something like that. You know, like Jean Claude Van Damme is allegedly like this master secret agent guy. And I'm like, it's one dude, like. I don't know, like, it's one dude. <laughs> it wasn't like it was that hard for him to get out. Like, they make, like, John Wick's final mission seem like the most impossible thing. Or yeah. they make, like, getting out of these lifestyles just seem like, oh, yeah, you got to complete this impossible mission. <laughs> like, John claude Van Damme's mission and that, that he accomplished was, like, eh, seemed pretty easy. All you got to do is break in, take out one inept guard, and drive a truck downhill. Yeah, downhill and then through through a couple of uh, cops. It wasn't even a difficult road. It didn't wind that much. It seemed like a pretty straight road. Yeah, it wasn't like the hills and like yeah, it wasn't like the hill and like fast six or fast yeah. seven, you know, where it's just like they're kind of this Andy's mountain where they're having these wide turns on a dirt road in yeah. a mountain at the top or something like that. No, it pretty seemed like a pretty straight line, pretty straightforward. You know, there's a you have to turn here or there, but yeah, it looked like a pretty straight. straight <laughs> yeah. Route. So anyway, like the maternity ward fight crazy also i mean the, the amount of glass broken in, in that scene i mean really i mean that was just yeah. crazy enough i mean it's just like everybody was just you know they're just shooting glass like they're throwing people through glasses and they're diving through glasses i mean oh yeah like, <laughs> the amount of glass that was just broken through in that scene alone i mean it was just like it was crazy like it's just maybe that's why people left you know because they're like oh this grass this glass is very fragile I guess so. In any event, so, I mean, Jean-Claude Van Damme, like, gets blown up, suffers some minor injuries, wakes up on this colony, this, like, seemingly inescapable colony prison for, like, secret agents that are too valuable to kill but too dangerous to keep alive. So basically they fake his death and stick him in like this really nice actual retirement place for like secret agents. Like Yeah, it's a nice little island, you know. It's really nice. They had a nice pool. That's all that's all we saw, really. We saw the pool and that in Jean Claude Van Damme's apartment. You know, I mean it's just yeah. that's really all we saw. Yeah. I mean, it's not like a fancy hotel room, but it's your basic king room, I think. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just it's it, it looks like a Marriott room. I mean, really, oh, yeah, I mean, exactly. you know, stuff you see at a Marriott or a Holiday Inn. I mean, nothing. Too it's special. not an it's not a suite by any means, but it's you know, yeah. You would think you would think you know, since you're you're obviously a super super agent or a super terrorist, you know, you would obviously you would probably get better accommodation, but no, obviously right. not here. <laughs> but I love his I love his thing too. He's just like. It seemed like too he wanted to. He's been wanting to get out of that island since I think like day one. Like he's just like, what am I doing here? Like yeah. He seems to go with it and be like, oh okay. And then obviously he saw the he saw the stuff um, as far as with that. And then yeah yeah they, they, this global terrorist you know unit or something like that anti-terrorist right. unit where they like analyze potential terrorist attacks and then decide if it's real or not or whatever. 
And yeah, like, and like if it's a friend or something. The guy who does play like the the head of like this colony thing, actually good actor, Paul Freeman. He's like the lead bad guy in Raiders of the Lost Ark and Ivan yeah. Ooze in the Power Rangers movie. Ooh, okay, okay. Yeah, so he's had some he's had some experience in our lives. I mean, yeah, he's, you know, he's, you know, two he's, of the two of the better, more memorable, you know, movies we we loved growing up. Absolutely. So I mean, <laughs> once again, vastly underrated actor. But once I, I mean, this role, like, I mean, it makes it sound like it's so hard to escape this island, and then like the guy like attacks him, who's trying to keep him from escaping. Like they all have like a guy that they're secretly assigned to try and prevent from escaping. Which also seems silly. Yeah, like it's just, yeah, they, they they were they're really really secretive, and then and then and then obviously the Paul Freeman character, it's like, oh yeah, oh well, I gotta go get him now. Like, <laughs> I, I hate to leave the island now. just willy nilly. Oh, okay, well, I mean, I wasn't supposed to leave, and none of us were, but you know, now that he's gone, I'm just gonna go leave too. <laughs> I'm just gonna go leave this island and get him back. Yeah. <laughs> And that, that, does, like, that doesn't pay off at all, so there's really, like, no purpose in it. It re- Yeah, it really doesn't. Yeah. Like, he could have just, just, just escaped, and then they're like, oh, shucks. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shucks, we got to keep him alive. You know, we got to keep him dead. <laughs> really, do. I mean, the lengths they go to try to keep this guy dead, I mean, it's just. But, yeah, we had to see this amazing training montage where, yeah, where Jean-Claude Van Damme does, like, splits and stuff. And, yeah, you had you had to have it, you know. <laughs> I mean, it escape? goes on way too long. Like he's like round, like he's roundhouse kicking the wall and then trying to climb the wall. Like I mean, it's impressive, but like it's just like it goes on. Yeah, but I feel like they do it like a couple of times too. Like it's just like, oh, okay. It's like the same thing. He does. He like does the same training things, and it's not like he's getting better each time. He's still like just doing the same thing, basically. Also, does he hang out? Because obviously this happens for like two, three months or something like that. You know, obviously yeah. there's probably some spy cams. You know. Shouldn't they be watching and be like, oh, maybe we got to keep an eye on this guy, you know, or something like that. He's doing all these stretches. He's doing like a science experiment. He's blistering his own thumb so he could get a thumbprint. Right. He's cutting off his own thumbprint. He's roundhouse kicking the walls and climbing them. He's doing bathtub squats, like. <laughs> I mean, yeah, he's lifting the bathtub up, you know, with water on or something like that. He has a calendar, you know, saying his wife's birthday. Like, yeah, it's just like maybe they should have kept an eye on him or something like that. Yeah. Like, oh, also, okay. does he interact with any other? I mean, really, we had that one interaction with him. You know, obviously, you know, he gets in a fight with with that one guy, and that's it. Like, and that doesn't get resolved at all. I mean, what, what happened? I think to it does. Guys? I think that like, was the guy who was trying to stop him from escaping, wasn't it? I think so. Yeah, I think that could be as well. But we don't see really his face. You know. Uh, right, you really don't. don't. Yeah, you really don't. But it's just like, but you know, this is like the three months with the montage. You know, does he hang out with everybody? Does he, you know, maybe it changes his mind a little bit? Oh my god, this isn't bad. You know, yeah. no, he's all determined. It's like I got to save my wife. Right, and then like there's like a message from Stavro sitting in like this uh, this secret agent thing that they find. Exactly. Yeah, basically you, you saying, have that. Like, and it, Basically, Stavros has to know this place exists because he basically sends him a taunt that only he would see if he's, like, working with the cyber monks or the colony. Yeah, shouldn't anybody else kind of see that, you know, with the cue, I have your, I have your wife with the butterfly. Yeah. I have your butterfly. 
Also, does it doesn't the Paul Freeman character kind of have like access to like everybody else's computer? Isn't he kind of like the big brother or something like that? Wouldn't he be like, okay, what's going on here? You know? Yeah. No, he just asked, what's going on? He's like, oh, nothing. I mean, the whole colony thing was just basically a place to stick him for two months so that his wife didn't have to show pregnancy weight, it seemed like. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Go and have the baby and then. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And it's just, it, I mean, it's just it, really too me, like he doesn't really interact with anybody. Like all no. we just see is him training in his room. Like, does he just go right. back to his room like a crazy, like, you know, does, it, does that happen as far as with that? Yeah. You know, does he hang out with anybody else or. So then he gets out. Does he, does he play golf? Like, what other activities yeah. are in that? Yeah, island? what other activities are there on this island? I'm what, really kind of curious. What does work schedule look like? The, I, obviously, when, uh, unless there's a global terrorist thing. I'm, is it like I'm, nine to five? Yeah. Is it as needed? Like, how yeah, much I time mean, a day do you have for bathroom bathtub squats? Like, what? <laughs> like, what's the schedule? Are there other I, activities I, besides the nice swimming pool? What else is going on there? <laughs> Oh, there's a lovely croquet set. You know, they obviously they got a grassy knoll, you know, where you can kind of walk about, you know, where you can play badminton or something like that. And I, to be honest, I don't know. There's a lovely like everything else center, too, so he's probably working out there. Much like everything else in this well, movie. Well, maybe not. Maybe there's not a workout center because obviously he's doing squats. No, there's definitely not. Doing a squats and lift-ups, you know. He's, he's doing, doing his own bathtub. But, like, he's also doing, like, holding his breath training that he does in his own bathtub as opposed to doing it in, like, the group pool, which I guess is him trying to be secretive about it. But in any yeah. event, it's like, well, like everything else in this movie, it's not really fully fleshed out. Yeah, double team, don't, don't ask. Yeah. <laughs> it should have been the tagline, don't ask about anything about the plot. Yeah. <laughs> so then he breaks out. And he's like, he breaks out. He gets like airlifted out of there by like sneaking onto like, what is it that they're taking away from this place too? It looks like it's like the supply stuff, you know, for like you know, the weekly supplies. But they're like dropping that off. So what would they need to, they would, you would need to drop that off, but you wouldn't need to airlift that away. So what were they airlifting away? Was it feces? It could be, yeah, it could be waste. It could be, uh you know, you know, maybe, maybe like old computer parts or something like that, you know, because they got to keep, they got to have all the high tech stuff. Yeah, maybe, maybe it is. I don't know. Yeah, we, we don't know. We don't know. On this, he chucks some people out of a pair, out of like the airplane, which like, that was kind of funny. But then he hijacks this airplane. Yeah, and then parachute. <laughs> he kicks yeah. the guy out. Yeah. <laughs> you have a parachute? Yes. Okay, bye. Bye, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> But I mean, somebody it, hijacks the plane, and somehow the only person in his life that he can go visit to go. He doesn't have any secret agent buddies. Instead, nope. the only person he can go to is Dennis Rodman. Well, obviously, the secret agent guy's dead, so we know that. Oh, yeah. But there was no one else that he had friends. He didn't have anyone else in his life. Yeah, stop. Yeah, maybe that Jack Quinn character was sort of a loner. Like, he just he yeah. marches to the beat of his own drum. I guess so, because like I mean, maybe everyone else he was friends with ever died, but I don't know. But in any event, the only person that he can go to is Dennis Rodman, which once again, Dennis Rodman, no real incentive to help him, does. Leaves his S and M dungeon for like, who knows how many weeks. Yeah, yeah. Well, they, yeah, they first go. Yeah, they first go to the back to the house, which is weird, you know. Which obviously he's gonna have people there. 
yeah, like <laughs> obviously they've been waiting. Stavros's people have been waiting there for, for forever. Right. And uh, yeah, just checking. It's just, oh, it's got a bomb. And somehow the bomb, like, I don't know what with, I don't know, maybe the, <laughs> the stuntman this time, the, the, the kind of explosion, because you saw it. You right. clearly see the, the plane like succumbing to this guy, but then you have another shot of him jumping out of the window with the explosion. Yeah, I mean, it's it's ridiculous. And like, I mean, as someone who does has done very small amounts of green screen work, you can tell that they just flew John claude Van Damme in front of a green screen when the explosion was going on. Like, it wasn't well done special effects-wise, which, I mean, you know, once again, special effects have evolved. But like I said, it was cheesy. Yeah, it was bad. It, it really was bad. I mean, it's just, I mean, it, I mean, it was bad as far as with that. And then, yeah, I mean, it's just, it's so funny too because it's just like Jean-Claude Van Damme is like you know it's just like oh you know and obviously you know Stavros was you know kind of taunting him it's like oh I have your wife and blah 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 I'm staying here blah 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 you know right so then, so then he finds that clue goes to Rome now to try and get Stavros once again like Dennis Rodman's kind of like doing all like the secret agent spying work like Dennis Rodman with his green hair and suit and the fact that he's a six foot ten black guy in Italy is with, um, with the amount of piercings too. I mean, this right. is Dennis Rodman during like the height of probably his like 15, right. you know, 15 pierces anywhere. Right. There's no situation where Dennis Rodman's going to be able to hide or blend in. He's Dennis Rodman. Yeah. Like, nothing like, about Dennis Rodman's whole persona in life is going to blend in. It blended in with him, and obviously wearing the suit. I'm like, right. He's wearing his suit, but he's so trying to blend in, you know. <laughs> right. I'm sorry, but like, it's like the Papa John's commercial where Shaq's trying to be like an undercover boss. It's Shaq. No one's missing the fact that it's Shaq. Okay. You're right. You're right. It is. Yeah. Like, okay. Jean-Claude Van Damme has teamed up with this guy who all, like, sticks out in any situation. <laughs> but, like, somehow they're, like, sneaking around and stuff, and they figure out, okay, like, they try to set this trap for Stavros and, like, this square. That results Obviously, it doesn't happen because Jean-Claude Van Damme decides to go rogue and be like, hey, that's my wife. Oh, I got to get her. <laughs> Not being secretive at all, you know? And it's just funnier too because he's dressed up, he's dressed up like John Lennon, like in a way, like John Lennon, like circa like nineteen seventy nine or something like that. Like he has like the frizzled right. hair, and the, the sunglasses. Like, I mean, it's just funny too. It's just watching him, like, and he's trying to hold on to the backpack too for some reason. Like everyone on this square is trying to like blend in and pretend they're not like a secret agent that's about to try and shoot someone. Like you have people pretending like they're working on road construction. And you have people, like, pretending that they're eating lunch. And Jean-Claude Van Damme's got his boombox, and he's pretending to sit there and listen to music yeah. with, like, punks and, like, stuff. And the only person who's not even trying to disguise himself is Dennis Rodman. He's just letting him fly. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this weird punk guy talking to this guy in a business suit. Hmm. <laughs> it looks like Dennis Rodman, the S&M weapons dealer. Yeah, that looks like that SMM weapons dealer. That black market that weapons dealer. Whoa. And then there's like a guy who's dressed like a pope riding on horseback that just starts shooting everybody. Yeah. I mean, he shoots everybody too because innocent bystanders go in and they're like, oh, 
it's great too. Like I love. That's yeah. what I miss too. Like, like that guy, like Stavros is henchman, and he was just shooting people, or like who was he supposed to? I be? mean, he was just. I mean, he, he was, was That's. I mean, that's what I miss in like action movies, like just random people like getting killed just because they they're just unfortunately just being there, you know. Well, like that's what I miss. Once again, there's like no explanation as to which side of the fence this guy's on. He could have just been some guy who like was having a really bad day at like the Catholic church and got pissed and went over and just started shooting people. There's no explanation as to who Oh yeah, there was a wedding too. Are. Yeah, John Claude Van Damme gets on the horse for the wedding. There was a wedding. I forgot about the wedding. Right. And then like the horse like falls over after he gets like shot. <laughs> That was a busy square too. You had the construction workers, policemen. There was a wedding. Yeah, you had like all skating around, getting to blend in, and like the construction workers just start shooting, and like everyone just starts shooting. <laughs> everybody just starts shooting at everybody. <laughs> and then like another thing too, like Jean Claude Van Damme goes running after Stavros in this, and like it feels like Stavros is like, like always talking in like a whisper. Like I feel like I. I always had to like raise the volume like three notches when Stavros was talking. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that's always kind of the case with that. But yeah. I and mean, I mean it's that's just... Mickey Rourke is Stavros. And I mean, he's very yeah. quiet in this. He is very quiet uh, as far as with that. And just, I mean, I guess he just loves, you know, and, he, and he's just out getting revenge, you know, I mean, really, I mean, he, he probably has more of a revenge backstory than, uh, <laughs> then uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme character, you know, because it's like, okay, he's trying to get revenge on Quinn because he killed his son and wife. Like, Right. Like, honestly, Stavros, like, they, like they, they talk about all of his things, but, like, they really don't make him that – he's not that bad of a guy. I mean, he things. did put a grenade in a cradle, okay, so – I mean, he did, but that's after he just saw his own son shot to death in front of him. Yeah, that is true, and he, and he did try to, I mean, yeah. Like, I mean, they talk about what a bad guy Stavros is, but, I mean, Stavros really isn't that bad of a guy because he could have killed John claude Van Damme's wife, like, months ago. Yeah, it could have been, yeah, he could have been evil or something like that. Yeah, killing John claude Van Damme's wife, you know, while she was pregnant or something like that. And, but, no, decided to take her and use it as, basically, as his proxy baby. Like, it's just like, I'm just going to take your baby now, like. Right. Of course, that is pretty darn evil, too. It's like, I'm just going to take your life. I mean, it sort of is, but, I mean, it makes sense. Jean-Claude Van Damme is stuck on this island. He's never going to get to see his kid. And, like... I right, mean, I'm going to pretend Stavros, I'm going to be this art dealer. He took kid away from him. So, I get, like, the motivation. It's not like he's just, like... He's not, like, that evil. Yeah, yeah. You're right, yeah. He he, he is kind of not they that evil. not enough to but, make me hate Stavros in this. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, not not enough to make me hate him as well. Like, it's just like, yeah, he, has, he hasn't committed, like, 50 war crimes or something like that, you know? Right. Like, you don't see <laughs> him doing anything that bad. No, really. The nothing, only thing he does is all. blow up, like, the C The only thing you visibly see him do is blow up the CIA guy's car. Yeah, that's really the only evil thing, too, yeah. Also, that guy was an idiot, too. He locks yeah. himself out. He's like, oh, can't find this thing. Oh, <laughs> knocks, knocks the lock button. I'm like, and it's and it's 1997 cars. You can easily, and it sounds like, it looks like yeah. it's a manual car, too. So you can easily lift up the lock. It's not like, right. it's not like, it's not like. <laughs> or, or you roll down the window and chuck the bomb out. It looked like he had a full minute. 
Yeah, he looked like he had a, he had some good time to, to at least chuck the bomb out or something like that. And get out. No, I mean his club. Yeah. Just, really, I mean. And also, have, like that guy's death is pretty much meaningless in this movie. Like, well, yeah, I said, I, you only had like two scenes with him. One where he's like, "Oh, this is Jack Quinn's last mission," and then one the other one where he's like, "Hey, Jack Quinn, you should come back and kill Stavros for us," and then he blows up. Oh, it's Stavros. <laughs> oh, here's Jack Quinn's info. Oh no, I'm gonna die. Oh, I'm clumsily killing myself. Right. <laughs> like, there's really no characterization there. It's like, okay, like, I don't care that that guy just blew up. Oh, jeez. I have no much emotional attachment to him. I was like, okay, he's just a guy. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's it. He he was a terrible character, really. really, <laughs> really? Again, he's like he's like the pregnant wife. You know, really, the only need the only reason he's there is for the plot. Right. And then, like, they kill him off just because, okay, you filled your purpose, you're gone now. Yeah, you filled your purpose, you're gone. <laughs> yeah. Make way for Dennis Rodman. He'll take care of it the rest of the way. <laughs> exactly. And then, so, like, obviously, after this fight in the square, Dennis Rodman throws a guy through a bus window for his five-point shot. And then I get – then you get, like, the best fight in the movie for me, which is, like, Jean-Claude Van Damme in the hotel room against, like, the two guys – Oh, like that was a good one. Sniper yeah, guy, really and then that. like the guy who has like somehow like taken like the ball of his foot and hidden like a knife in like the ball of his foot. Like he's trapped like a knife in his toes. So like when he tries to karate kick you, he's got a knife there. I know, man. It, it was probably the best device. So yeah, bad. it's just really. I mean, it was kind of pre predecessor to Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. I mean, it's just like all this <laughs> kung fu move, man. And, and it was it was kind of really good. I kind of enjoyed it. That was a good fight. It, it, yeah, you're right. It was probably the best fight of the movie, really. It was probably the best action scene of the movie. Right, absolutely. So, like, he fights this guy in the hotel, and, like, somehow he shows up at the hotel, even though it was Dennis Rodman who tracked the guy to the hotel. So I don't know if he, like, followed Dennis Rodman or something. It doesn't really explain how Van Damme gets there. But in any event... He does that, and then they move on. Let's talk about the finale of – oh, no, the Cyber Monks first. Somehow Dennis oh, yeah. Rodman has the connection with the Cyber Monks, who helps the Cypher something, to then get them to, like, the Roman Coliseum. Yeah, it, yeah, they got to help, too, with the colony people, too, because it's just somehow the colony people like him for some reason. It's like, yeah, you left this abandonment island, you know. Oh, yeah, we'll help you. Here you go. But, like, yeah, even though it's Here's never your son is. socialized or was ever nice to anyone there. Yeah, really, no interaction whatsoever. He gets in a fight with one guy. Really, the only time, the only time you really befriend somebody is really the head guy, and he's going after him. So, I mean, it's right. not like, yeah, <laughs> and it's just like here, here here's where Starbucks's location is. Winky face, you know, <laughs> go hey, get him. Yeah. I know, yeah, this is, yeah, I know, God, hey, God help hey, me. Hey, by the way, also, I did enjoy too that they. I did enjoy the cyber monks looking at, uh, you know, 1997 porn, you know, so that, oh, was, yeah. that was really fun. You know, he's just yeah. like, oh, I don't know what this came on my computer. <laughs> also, like, it's never really explained how Dennis Rodman has any connection to the cyber monks. Maybe it was through the yeah. porn. I don't know. Yeah, it could be. Or, you know, the monks helped. Oh, he did mention it. It's like, oh, yeah, I gave him, like, all this. Oh, he's also like a, a black market like computer salesman, I, I think too, because he gave him like all these processors. Because I think, no, yeah, yeah. It's it's like, yeah I hooked him up with all this stuff. Cyberbugs. I'm like, 
what do you what don't you do right <laughs> it's like, he's also somehow got like explosives that ex somehow get them out of the cyber monk's lair into like stavros's lair yeah he <laughs> trust him on his free throws you know so <laughs> that was a funny chuck i enjoyed that one that <laughs> you know you know, <laughs> you, know <laughs> you played basketball you know they were kind of making fun of that they were it's like oh i missed I never missed twice, and then he makes it. I, ne I never, and I never missed. <laughs> um, I, I missed that. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> then, yeah, he gets to the castle, helps the. So, yeah, they know, go to the Roman beats College. Beats up bad guys. Team. Yeah, beats up the bad guys. Yeah, actually, the monks were helping him where, where the wife's location was. It wasn't the Coliseum, actually. It was where the, his wife was located. But then it ended up being a, oh yeah that's right yeah because the, yeah, like, the girl yeah because the doctor the Coliseum. what but then how did they end up at the Coliseum? the the doctor told the oh, doctor okay. told her yeah yeah the doctor told him you know the doctor that turns face you know <laughs> because yeah. Jean Claude Van Damme is like I don't want to be killed by him or Dennis Rodman <laughs> right yeah and it's just yeah it, and that's the last we see of the wife again she's just there for the, to help the plot move along that's all she's know? just a baby maker let's be honest yeah she yes yeah, that's all she is just, just to just to help get the baby maker get the baby out now you're you're not part of the plot anymore all right john claude van damme has his wife back but now he's motivated to have a son that stavros is gonna keep so okay he's gonna go fight him yep in it yep go get him here's this coliseum you know <laughs> Okay. Uh, so I, I, hopefully, the I, hopefully the doctor didn't know that there was like a tiger there. You know. Oh yeah, it's explosive with mines and tigers. <laughs> also, like the decision to include the tiger was very random. I feel like in the end, it really like, was. The like, son just... got shot in front of the tiger cage. Okay, well now your son's gonna watch you get mauled by a tiger. Ha <laughs> <Yeah>. ha. <laughs> I bought this tiger. <laughs> I bought the tiger that got that you killed my son in front of. Now he's upset about it. <laughs> also, what, what was more believable? Him one punch knocking out the rattlesnake and hard target or him round, round kicking the tiger in the face? <laughs> I don't know what was more believable, animal, animal violence. <laughs> I knew that the roundhouse kicking of the tiger would come back in. <laughs> I guess I saw it happen. I, I had to rewind it. I'm like, did it just roundhouse kick the tiger? <laughs> I guess I'm going to go with the roundhouse kicking of the tiger being more believable because, like, he roundhouse kicks the tiger, but the tiger's, like, fine. The tiger, yeah. like, pisses him off a little bit, but, like, it doesn't stop him fully versus, like, the yeah, one snake. It's, it's like this, too. It's like a rock and sock of robot punch, too. It's not just him cocking back and hitting the <laughs> It's the rocket. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, I think it's the tiger, but it's just, like, I wish the tiger fight was a little bit better. Yeah, maybe a little, you know, tiger fight. You know, I mean, Shaka Van Dam has fought a lot of animals. He fought a snake. He fought a tiger. He fought a penguin. Absolutely. I mean, it's just. A, a what does he have against side. animals? <laughs> I, I don't know what he has against animals, but yeah, it's just, you know, real or fake, you know, Jean Claude Van Damme likes to fight animals for some reason. <laughs> well, I'm surprised he didn't roundhouse kick the horse that that one guy was riding. <laughs> No, that would have been great. That, no, that would have been amazing. Like, that's how he knocks the guy off of the horse as he roundhouse kicks the horse and the horse goes over with the guy on it. Yeah, he's coming charging. <laughs> he just roundhouse kicks it. Oh, man, that would have been great. Oh, uh, In any event, like, 
So he ends up with like, and also we got to talk about the fighting styles because Dennis Rodman's fighting style seems to be just grabbing people and throwing them. <laughs> yeah, Dennis Rodman has like this amazing strength. Like seriously, like he's got like Hulk Hogan strength, you know. Yeah. I guess I guess you know hanging out with Hulk Hogan all the time, you know, gives him like professional yeah, the 90s. Lifts, yeah. Chuck people. Yeah, he, he just chucks people. And then he like grabs the one guy and throws him onto the other guy at one point. <laughs> I know. Yeah, he, he that's basically his move. He's a professional wrestler move. Like Which he kind of was for a little bit. It was. Yeah, he was. But it but it really was. It was just very very fascinating for that. Absolutely. So, I mean, this is just, I mean, it's the craziness, like the finale of them having this showdown at the Roman Coliseum with landmines buried, with, marked with crosses. Marked with crosses and there's a tiger. There's a tiger. <laughs> and then there's Dennis Rodman on a motorcycle somehow moving around the crosses and like just. Yeah. Somehow up. just moved over his way. Dennis I mean, Rodman just... steps on a landmine, but then is able to like reattach it. <laughs> I know, yeah. He, and then he, he just so, does it, and then despite seeing Rodman just do the same thing. I know. Oh, man, but that but that was great. That was great acting by Mickey Rourke, too. Like, he just knows he's going to die. There's a tiger coming after him. <laughs> he just has, like, this look like, I'm dead. Like, but I'm like, he's like, I'm accepting death right now. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see, either blown up to death or get mauled by a tiger. Like, it's just, it was like picture poison. Absolutely. Like, I mean, it was crazy. And then Dennis Rodman somehow rescues Jean-Claude Van Damme's son and hides him really quickly and, like, yeah, in, like, a clear <laughs> open space that the tiger could have came and ate his son. <laughs> that tiger was out for – No, he, no, he was out for blood. Hit him and ate that baby. Yeah. He was – no, the tiger was out for blood after he got roundhouse kicked in the face by Jean-Claude Van Damme. He was yeah. like, I'm – um, the primal instincts kicked in. <coughs> yeah. <laughs> the primal instincts kicked in for that. Oh, but, yeah, I mean, it's just – I mean, really, that <laughs> – and I think it would also a better – got to give this movie credit. Of nothing of just a better way of using product placement, really. I mean, then with the explosion, with the Coke vending machines, somehow there's, like, these, these rows of, like, Coke vending machines in this old coliseum that – God knows what how long this has been used. Probably they only used it for probably the running of the bulls. That's probably the only time they use it. So it's just like like these rows and rows of Coke can uh, yeah. Coke vending machines. It's a Roman Colosseum. It hasn't been used for anything except as a historical landmark since gladiator times. And somehow there's a whole row of Coke machines. Then they are somehow Dennis Wadman's able to hold one up and save everybody. And Coke, I mean, this is a Coke vending machine, too. I mean, this isn't, like, I mean, they're, they're, they weigh a ton, like. Right, but still, like, I mean, who knows how long, like, he's even in there. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. I mean, it's, I, I mean, it's just, just one of these things. I mean, it's just, like, it really is, like, I guess it's, like, Coke is kind of the savior I guess in that sort of way, you know, just Coke is amazing. Coke is a savior. Drink Coke Absolutely. and you'll save a life, you know, as far as with that, you know, just give Absolutely. me. Absolutely. Yeah. Just Coke <laughs> really cashes in on the product placement, like you said. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it just, I mean, they, they, they just hide behind it too. And it's just obviously logic where it's just the flames just go, go around it. It's like, oh, snap. They got a Coke vending machine. We got to go around it. <laughs> 
Coke's, Coke and Dennis Rodman saving the day. Coke and Dennis Rodman. <laughs> Not Dennis Which Rodman Coke? on Coke, but Dennis Rodman holding Coke. Holding Coke, yes. A Coca-Cola. <laughs> I mean, it's, I, it really was just a great use of product placement right there. With it was. The that's, that's one thing you got to give the movie. Very good use of product placement. Yes, very good use of product placement and just, just a nice ending of blast explosion really i mean it was it was really cool like it, i enjoyed like the ending with the exploding <laughs> and somehow this coliseum just got, you know really that has not been used and really kind of in ruins doesn't really collapse like, no. it's just, i mean really with like the i mean you just had like this wall of there just this rain of fire around this coliseum and it, it just doesn't crumble at all how does it not crumble who knows <laughs> Dennis Rodman oh, no. saving the day and then throws the exploding coin so that John Claude Van Damme can escape with his baby too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically, yeah, it's just, and and there's Paul Freeman just going, Oh, he got me again. Mm-hmm. That John Claude Van Damme, he got me again. I uh, guess I'm done. I'll he got him, me I'll this time. Oh, I guess I'll go back to my island now. I'll go back to my island to help counter terrorism. <laughs> Anyway, it's a ridiculous movie, but I mean, there's worse times I've had. No, there's definitely worse movies I've seen in life. You know, I mean, we we reviewed one this year. You know, with the new Space Jam movie, so I I would I would watch this a lot more than the new Space Jam movie. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to say that. Yeah, I, I just hope LeBron James doesn't. You know, hopefully he doesn't watch this movie and try to think, oh, I I should become an action star. You know, with Jason Statham. <laughs> LeBron James, Jesus. <laughs> Put it I want to see that now. Yes, I want to see that now. I want a LeBron James, Jason Statham action movie te- team up. LeBron James is going to show up in the Expendables four. Now <laughs> he could be. Too- he just makes bad basketball puns. It's just like, yeah, that's what I call a run and sh- that's what I call run and shoot. <laughs> he's going to kill a bad guy and be like, I guess he's flopping now, huh? <laughs> Who's the flopper now? Who's the flopper now? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I can't beat that. I think that's the note to end it on. Yeah, that is the note to end on. I can't beat that. <laughs> that's the mic drop. Uh, thanks for watching this episode. Go back and watch all of our other episodes. Follow us at SP Bushy as we uh, go through another week of NFL and NCAA football action. And uh, have a happy Halloween. Yeah, happy Halloween, everybody. Thank you. Peace. Thank you for listening to the SP and Bushy Show. This podcast was created by Sean Pooley and Stephen Bush. Intro was created by Zach DeMose. For more content, please visit our Twitter at SPBushy and our YouTube page at Sean Cooley. We thank you again for listening.